Hello and welcome to this edition of Wineskins. I'm Father Jim Corda. Wineskins is a program that features reflections on the lives of the saints and the sacred scriptures, along with a variety of issues and topics, all from a Catholic perspective. Wineskins is brought to you through the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our program today, I will interview Father Fritz Schluter. We will also hear more information on St. Agatha in our Saints for Healing segment. And today, as the Church celebrates the 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we will get a deeper insight into those particular Sunday readings. That and more on Wineskins. In our current issue segment, I will speak with Raymond Haustow. Joining me today is Raymond Haustow, who is the Communication Assistant for Catholic Charities. Welcome to Wineskins. Thank you very much, Father. I'm happy to be here. You know, Raymond, I think that's a, a big job that you have because getting the word out about Catholic Charities is really how we continue the mission of the church, but also the mission of Catholic Charities. Tell us, in a nutshell, what are some of the things that you do in your job? Well, my main focus lately has been the social media channels and just, like you said, just getting what we're doing out into the community. So, you know, um, the in-person aspect of, of the parishes has certainly been somewhat lesser than it once was, and keeping people informed, I suppose, is my main objective. You know, it's interesting as we talk about Catholic Charities, many people over the years have participated in furthering the mission of charities, whether it's through their treasure or their time or their talent. What are some of the ways that you propose through social media that people could learn more about Catholic Charities and what can they do through those services to help out? To help out specifically, we're always looking for volunteers, of course, I had to plug that, but just being able to give people both short and long versions of the information about what our dealings in the community are lately or what the churches are, that's certainly very important. And having a hub for everybody to visit digitally if perhaps they can't get out and get whatever information they might need. I think is very important. Let's talk about social media in general. You're young, you know a lot about social media. Someone like myself who is older is not as adept at social media. For the folks that are with us that might be afraid of using social media or going into those social media avenues, what can you help them to kind of assuage that fear or hesitation of getting involved in that? Uh, well, I think specifically with Facebook, it's much like a digital community in the same way that going to a community center or a church or whatever it might be, a gathering, in the sense that, like I said, you can get the information, but also you're there to interact with us, with the church, with clergy, with people from your parish or others. And I think it's a great way to, if you can't get out and be at every single event or, or parish, to be able to still stay connected with everybody in this area and diocese that maybe still has the same loves and all of these things as you do. So it's, it's definitely a great way to keep in touch, if nothing else. Now, what would you do or what would you say to parishes in particular, how they could learn more about charities and get more involved? I think social media, of course, is where I'm constantly updating whatever we're doing. But on top of that, we do send physical materials per collection. So just keeping up with Whatever may come to your mailbox, whether digital or physical, is certainly a way to do that. And just parish participation has been pretty good since I've been here in terms of it seems like there's a pretty 
regular line of communication and I think just keeping with whatever the current collection or program or campaign might be is the easiest way because their participation is what allows us to create these stats that then bolster the next collection. And so it's an exponential growth with every single bit of participation we get. You mentioned about volunteers. Volunteers are really essential, not only in the work of the church, but I think especially in Catholic Charities. What are some of the areas that people could get involved with as a volunteer? In our office, a lot of it would be you know, helping out with events, but also packaging materials. But I do know that our agencies as well across the diocese could every day use a volunteer just to be in there to support what they do, which is client-facing. So it's a little bit different than what our volunteers might need. Now, do you ever have any interaction with some of the clients in Catholic Charities to help further that particular mission? I myself don't often get to interact with the clients. The caseworkers will have a lot of their clients do a survey and allow them to leave some words about their experience and what they liked or didn't like. and. All of that does get back to me and we do create posts and share that information and adjust our services based off of it as well. What would you like to tell the folks that are with us who use social media a lot? How can they get more in tune to what's going on at Catholic Charities? I think a great way to do that starts with our Facebook. That's where most of our announcements will go. One of those coming up in July because our community covered. That's a really easy one for people who are approaching from a digital perspective. We'll have an Amazon list that allows people to purchase the things that our clients do need and have told us that they need. Those orders from Amazon will be delivered right to us and we'll distribute those. And I think most of our collections go something like that. So I think staying up to date with our Facebook or Instagram even, it's a great way to stay involved with what we do. And if someone wants to get more in tune with Catholic Charities, where do they find you? You could find us at ccdoy.org, at ccdoy on pretty much all social media sites. And then if you have ever used Linktree, it's Linktree slash ccdoy. So you can find all of our links and everywhere we exist online through those resources. Raymond Housestow, Communication Assistant for Catholic Charities, thanks for uh, your short visit with us today, and thank you for the wonderful work you do through social media to continue and to promote the work of Catholic Charities, which is so vital, not only for our diocese, but for the nation and for those that you serve. So thank you. Thank you very much, Father. Thank you for having me. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. St. Agatha is a patron saint of those women with breast cancer. To tell us more is Jim Kravanek. He is from St. Michael Church in Canfield. Quintianus, who governed Sicily, could have whatever he wanted, and he wanted Agatha. But she was a wealthy Christian who had consecrated her virginity to God, and she turned him down flat. Agatha was arrested and tortured. Despite excruciating pain, she refused to renounce her faith or accept him as a lover. He then instructed the executioners to slice off her breasts. Agatha suffered martyrdom but was venerated in Milan, Rome, and Ravenna, Italy. A church was constructed in her honor at Rome in the fifth century and at the beginning of the sixth century. The Pope introduced her feast into the liturgy at Rome and dedicated a basilica in her honor. The inclusion of her name in the Roman canon of the Mass is attributed to St. Gregory the Great. The opening prayer of the Mass is taken from the two prayers contained in the Gregorian Sacramentary, and it emphasizes the glory associated with virginity and martyrdom. 
The Office of Readings is taken from a homily by St. Methodius, a native of Syracuse in Sicily and patriarch of Constantinople. He describes Agatha as a bride and a virgin. In the same homily, he says, Agatha, the name of our saint, means good. Agatha, her goodness coincides with her name and way of life. She won a good name by her noble deeds, and by her name she points to the nobility of those deeds. Agatha, her mere name, wins all men over to her company. She teaches them by her example to hasten with her to the true good, God alone. In the Middle Ages, Agatha should be invoked by those women who are suffering from diseases of the breast. Let us pray. Saint Agatha, woman of valor, from your own suffering, we have been moved to ask your prayers for those who suffer from breast cancer. We place all these women before you and ask you to intercede on their behalf. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. For Wineskins, I'm Jim Krivenek. Join me now is Father Fritz Schluter, who is recently ordained to the priesthood. Welcome back to Wineskins. Thank you, Father Corda. It's great, great being here with you. You know, the last time you were with us, you were a newly ordained deacon, mm-hmm. and we spent some time talking about that. And now, just a month ago, you were ordained a priest, and it's all so new. And I, I kind of reflect back when I was first ordained almost 44, 45 years ago, and how that's all new those first few months, in the first couple years, what is basically inside you that you would like to share with the folks that are with us? Yeah, I think this time of being a newly ordained priest, I've felt a, a lot of humility. Yeah, the, the idea that, that God you know, works through me at Mass, in the, the Sacrament of Reconciliation, going on a, on a sick call and anointing someone, it's very humbling that I would be able to serve God's people. I've been feeling a lot of humility yeah, as a newly ordained priest. And I think that's a, a great virtue to have. Mm-hmm. I think especially in kind of a world that we live in that's so complex, to have that virtue of humility, I think kind of grounds us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very helpful. I know that for the last year, but also in subsequent ministry now, you're going to be working with the Hispanic community. And that really is a great gift because, quite frankly, there's not many of us priests in the diocese that can speak Spanish. And so that is a blessing that you provide to the Hispanic community. Working with them, what has that done for you and your vocation? Yeah, so one thing that it's provided for me is the the opportunity to, to work with more young people, especially like with children. Every summer at St. Anthony All Saints on the south side of Canton, they have an introductory kind of like preschool program preparing young Hispanic children to go to school, you know, things like how do you stand in line, um, giving them a little bit of English education as well. It was really a great joy to work with those, those young children. That's one thing that the Hispanic language ministry has provided me. It's also been wonderful to experience the faith of this Hispanic population. Many of them are very simple laborers. Um, a lot of them work in roofing. Many of them work in meat processing. And yeah, the, the fact that uh, every Sunday they, they come together to worship God, to thank God for the blessing of being here in the United States, the joy that they have as they live these, what I view as humble lives. Let's talk a little bit about the ministry of what I call collaboration. Mm -hmm. We're not in it by ourselves. We work with other people, Mm -hmm. whether we work with other priests or or lay people or religious. And that facet of our lives as clergy is really important. It's really imperative that we work with people because that's who we minister Mm -hmm. to and also with. 
In your ministry, how have you learned to be a little bit more attentive to some of the the needs that are out there in the lives of our folks, but also to understand that there's a professional part of working with like directors of religious ed or youth ministers or deacons. So why is it important for us to work with people? Certainly, I haven't ministered too much as a priest so far, and I've, you know, I spent one year in Geneva as a seminarian, one year at St. Anthony All Saints as a deacon. And so in my service to these communities, the non-clergy staff at the parishes know the community much better than I do. They've been, they've been there serving much longer. And so, yeah, they're, they're far more knowledgeable about the needs of the community. Thinking at St. Anthony All Saints, Sister Karen there has been serving the, the Hispanic community for, for 10 years. And so she's well known and loved by them. And so when, when people have problems, they know to call Sister Karen. And so in order to serve the Hispanic community, a large part of that is, is listening to her wisdom and yes, serving as kind of a tool in her arsenal as the, the clergy. You know, people call her saying, oh, we just bought a new house. And so then she talks to me and tells me, oh, you know, these are the people who need a house blessed. Mm-hmm. So that's really been wonderful, uh, working with uh, yeah, competent ministers who have been there before I arrived and will probably be there after I leave. You know, one of the areas of concern that, that we have, at least as priests, is that there are fewer of us. And that's kind of a reality in the church, not only here in our diocese, but across the country and even in other parts of the world. What does that do for you in your vocation as a young priest? And what are some of those challenges that you face because of that? One thing that it does is it definitely makes me think that being involved in in youth ministry, being present in the schools is very important as a young priest. So that for children, for teenagers, the priest wouldn't just be like the religious functionary or you know, like the person who's in charge on Sunday, but you know, like to be a person, somebody with a name, somebody who knows knows them and their name as well. I think that goes a long way towards opening them up a little bit just to consider the priesthood, religious life as a vocation. In terms of challenges, certainly as there's less priests, the congregation size gets a lot larger. You know, over in Maslin, you know, Father there, he, they've, they've taken the three different parishes with three priests and combined them to one parish with one priest. And so, yeah, to, to think about the possibilities that he has to, to get to know his parishioners, there's much less opportunity, and that's, that's a challenge. And I would think that we focus more on those challenges than on those blessings. And I think it's important for us to kind of focus a little bit more on the blessings, which kind of lessen challenges and make them a lot more palatable, Mm -hmm. so to speak. So in your just short month as a priest, what are some of those blessings that you could lift up to celebrate today? A really wonderful blessing that I've had is the blessing to be at my brother and sister-in-law's wedding, which was really wonderful. I had the opportunity to prepare them, to, to journey with them as they prepared for marriage, to celebrate their marriage, to preside, to offer them the nuptial blessing. That was a great joy, particularly because oftentimes marriage prep can be challenging. It can be a challenge for couples to live up to what the church calls them to do. I would say less so for my brother and sister-in-law. They really wanted to do what the church asks of them in terms of living separately before marriage, these sort of things. They were a witness to me in terms of like what a couple can be and how they can image the church for the world. In closing, just very briefly, how supportive has your family been? 
My family has been very supportive. Yeah, I know my grandfather talks about how he wanted to be a priest when he was younger, but ended up getting married instead. And my father very much encouraged me to go to seminary to discern the priesthood. And yeah, I just recall being with my family on my day of ordination and celebrating with them afterwards and the, the great joy that we had together. So yeah, they, they've been a great support for me. Father Fritz Schluter, a newly ordained priest of the Diocese of Youngstown, we wish you well in your fresh and new ministry, and we know that the Lord will continue to bless you in many ways as you bless us. Thank you, Father Corda. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. For more pertinent information and to listen to Wineskins, visit www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. I am Marinol. Je suis Marinol. I am Marinol. I believe that we are all connected to each other, and that it is the gift of compassion that unites us and makes us one. It doesn't matter what language, culture, or tradition we come from. We can share compassion wherever we are. Mary Knoll, an American Catholic organization of priests and brothers, has been reaching out to those in need for nearly 100 years in 26 countries throughout the world. Marinol dedicates 86 cents of every dollar donated to their programs, and with your help, they can do more. Missionaries, workers, volunteers, supporters, we are all Marinol. I am Marinol. Yo soy Marinol. I'm Father Mike, and I am Marinol. 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 Christopher Minutes, thoughts on making every day count. Here's Monsignor Jim Lasanti. An Afghani soldier led U.S. Army Colonel William Roy through dangerous terrain to bring down the Taliban regime. Colonel Roy later returned the favor by helping to save the life of Nargis, the Afghani man's daughter. Nargis was near death, suffering from a serious heart blockage. Colonel Roy helped arrange for the teenager to undergo surgery in the United States at Schneider Children's Hospital. When word got out, other generous acts of kindness followed. Airline tickets were paid for by an ex-Marine, and a Rotary Club contributed to the girl's medical expenses. The surgery was successful, and Nargis has since returned to Afghanistan to be with her father, the man whose bravery started the sequence of life-saving events. My friends, Don't hesitate when lending a hand to a person in need. One day, you might need that same person's hand to help you in return. Church World Service believes that being self-reliant is a joy everyone should share. So around the block or around the world, share the joy. Our song today is from the CD called Come You Who Labor. It is by Vince Ambrosetti.
As we celebrate this 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we will hear more about the Sacred Scriptures by Father Tom Eisworth. He is Pastor Emeritus of Blessed Sacrament Church in Warren. Ask a teacher why he teaches. He will likely say that he gets his greatest satisfaction seeing the potential within his students. Ask a coach why she coaches. She will probably say that it is the joy of training and the challenge of the competition. Ask a parent about the joys of parenthood. They will tell you about the pride they feel when they see their child achieve. In all these cases, the common denominator is that they believed in the power of potential. In today's gospel parable, we see the hidden potential within the seed. In other words, the hidden potential within all of us. If you believe in great potential, you can be optimistic in the face of overwhelming loss. Notice the pattern of the sower in the parable. 
The farmer scatters his seed over the entire field as the first act of the growing season. The plowing will come after the seed is scattered. In fact, it is only after the plowing and the working of the soil that the farmer discovers which soil is rocky or shallow. It is only after the plants have begun to grow that the farmer discovers which soil is infested with thorns or which area is most vulnerable to the appetites of the birds. At the time of sowing, the farmer knows none of this for sure, but the farmer presses on. Why this optimism? With only three-fourths of the soil in this parable unfit for the harvest, how can the farmer be so hopeful? Because the farmer has learned to trust in the incredible abundance of the seed, the seed that falls on good ground. Great potential is hidden within each and every seed. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like this. You see, God is not anxious. God believes in the power of the seeds. The parable is telling us to have patience. No farmer plants or harvests in the same day. We may not see progress soon or even in our own lifetime, but God believes in the power of the seed, which is his word. Truth ultimately wins. Love ultimately triumphs. Integrity ultimately prevails. Peace ultimately comes. God is the mighty optimist. God is also extravagant with his seed. Notice that the sower was lavish with his seed. The farmer scatters the seed with an open palm and wide swing of his arm. The farmer, like God, is not interested in efficiency as in abundance. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like this. When we know this, we really know this. Then we do not waste our time grasping and hoarding and competing with one another. How do we really want to live? With abundance or scarcity? Chasing off crows or flinging seed while you sing? Will you and I live by the pessimism of the soils or by the extravagant abundance of the seeds? Some decisions are simple, aren't they? For Wineskins, I'm Father Thomas Eisworth. As Christians, we are called to be Christ-like. In order to accomplish this, we must first come to realize that in both our private and public lives, our words have power. As was Jesus, we must be personally aware of the great power of the spoken word. Wineskins is a production of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. It is brought to you by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda, wishing you a beautiful week. have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought uh, I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. 
That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to povertyusa.org today because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.